It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. This is the hour of doom and bloom. That's right, friends and neighbors. <laughs> Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Podcast, a convention of consternation in a caustic world. I'm Joel <laughs> MD, that old Dr. Bones, co-founder of the survival medicine website, doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 1,200 articles, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness. And I'm Amy Hello. Elton. <laughs> Hello. I'm sorry. I was going to record a few seconds of this. Well, are we recording the entire thing? No, on a video. We don't have us talking. Anyway, I'm Amy Alton. I am a nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And purveyor of some of the highest quality medical kits on the planet. Yep. Not to mention the goddess that's the hottest, the hostess that's the mostest, so smart, she taught me to roll over and beg in one day. (laughs) And I've been... I've been trained ever since. That's funny. <laughs> You're hilarious. You know what? We've got a lot to say, both conventional wisdom, unconventional wisdom, and what the heck. But first, got to listen to this. All information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine Podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Of course. But one day there may come a time when you're the highest medical resource left to your family because of some disaster. And our job is to make you effective in that role. We want you to succeed when everything else fails. Hey, in the news, a large federal study that found the antiviral drug remdesivir shortens hospital stays for COVID ICU patients is now examining whether adding another drug called beta interferon can speed recovery even more. The additional drug has already been FDA approved for the treatment of things like multiple sclerosis because I guess of its anti-inflammatory effect. But this combination drug trial, the one they're going to do now with remdesivir and beta interferon. Together, okay. That's right. It's designed to move very quickly. They're testing 1,000 people that will either get just remdesivir or both beta interferon and remdesivir. Right. Interferon is given as an injection. Remdesivir is an intravenous infusion given over several days. And interestingly enough, remdesivir treatment... Costs more than three thousand bucks a patient, Woo-hoo. and you can just imagine how much more the beta interferon will cost. So, cost may be an issue, and in the meantime, might be good to consider some less expensive options as preventatives, and maybe for at least for mild cases, like high dose vitamin D, quercetin, uh, vitamin C, zinc sulfate. Soon, we're going to get results from a study I mentioned recently that uses an old ENT doctor strategy, betadine, mm. or 10%. That was an yeah. unusual thing I, that, heard, I heard you talk about. And they say that they, these ENT doctors say they used it all the time. Uh, it's a, a half a teaspoon of betadine with 44 milliliters of sterile saline nasal spray, which must be a pretty standard amount because that's the exact amount that's in the na- random nasal spray that we just happen to have in our medicine cabinet. That's really strange. They were 44 milliliters. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, that's being tested right now on medical workers. Uh, you take it before you come in at lunch when clocking out, and the results are supposed to be in by next month. So we'll see. In more COVID news, hospitalized COVID-19 patients who received a common heartburn drug called Pepsid-AC mm-hmm. or Femotidine were twice as likely to survive, according to a new observational study conducted at no 
where else but Columbia University's Medical Center. That's the survival of hospitalized patients, not just preventative or... Pepsid or AC. Pepsid AC. Who, you know, I think we have some of that. Yes, we do, actually. We have some of that in our medicine cabinet mm-hmm. as well. Researchers found an association between famotidine and improved outcomes, outcomes in their analysis, but there could be unknown factors that they weren't able to account for. That's what the researchers say because they're sort of surprised that it has any antiviral effect at all, or maybe it works in some other way other than an antiviral effect. It's an unusual combination, I have to say. So they still say that it's an open question, but the study was published in the journal Gastroenterology. Okay. So it it was an actual study that was accepted by a prestigious magazine or journal uh, in medicine. You know, this is just such a crazy virus. So freaky deaky. It doesn't just have one set of symptoms. It can attack your respiratory system. It can attack your circulatory system. It can attack your your GI system. Your olfactory (laughs) system. Your olfactory system. They're saying people might have problems um, in their brain. Yes, brain inflammation. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's just, I I don't know how much more we can learn about this. It it affects the feet. Remember, children have had this weird rash color. Of their toes, yeah. Right. So it's pretty crazy. Who stuff. knows what else we'll find out? So now, this isn't the only study that supports this Pepsid AC narrative. Famotidine or Pepsid AC was associated with improved clinical outcomes in COVID nineteen patients in a study at Hartford Hartford Hospital. That was a study that's accepted and is going to be published in the American Journal American Journal of Gastroenterology. Okay. There must be a couple of competing journals, or there maybe you go. maybe it's the same one. Who knows? Anyway, they say that the main finding of their study of hospitalized patients, again, that the use of famotidine or Pepsid AC is associated with improved clinical outcome, including lower in-hospital mortality, death rates that is, and a lower composite endpoint of not only death, but intubation as well. Now, this is not brand new information. We may not have talked about it much in the past, Mm -hmm. but early in the Chinese outbreak in Wuhan, China, Doctors noted that elderly patients that were poorer, that mm-hmm. had lower socioeconomic status, uh-huh. seemed to be dying at a lower rate than the richer ones. And it was noticed that these folks were taking less expensive anti-heartburn medicines like famotidine instead of the more expensive protein pump inhibitors. Oh, in interesting. The family or the uh, uh, pantoprazole family. Gotcha. So the question is, is this real science? Well, maybe. But a recent study out of Boston University says the opposite, that Uh, famotidine has no efficacy at all against COVID-19. Contradictory statements by prestigious medical institutions. Wow, they seem to happen every day, and it drives people crazy, especially this people right here, yours truly. And this yours truly. Also. (laughs) But it's part of the deal, I guess, when it comes to COVID-19. Hey, we're pleased to have a good friend, Charlie Hogwood of ReadyGoPrep.com, join us today on the podcast. Charlie's the author of the Survival Group Handbook, How to Plan, Organize, and Lead People for Short and Long-Term Survival, the foremost guide in the world, probably, to planning, organizing, and building a survival group for any situation. His book's been utilized by small and large groups alike, has been used as a team-building resource for corporations, civilian organizations, And he's also the author of Prepper's Survival Retreats, Your Strategic Relocation Plan for an Uncertain Future. Now, most recently, Charlie's expanded his considerable writing talent into post-apocalyptic fiction with the Bound to Survive series, book one, The Unraveling. It was a very popular book, and 
It's strangely similar to today's COVID-19 pandemic. Pretty strange stuff, but very good read. Believe me, the unraveling is available in paperback, Kindle, or audiobook format. Book two is called The Road Trials, and it should be available to the public in the near future. I should mention that Charlie is a veteran of the U.S. Army, and during his time as a scout with the 11th Armored Cavalry, U.S. Army, he spent years deployed in Europe honing his skills in reconnaissance, surveillance, border security, and also on humanitarian missions. Hey, Charlie, you there? Hey, Joe. Hey, Amy. I am here. Well, it's great to hear from you. Gosh, we haven't seen you in a month of Sundays. Hey, Charlie. <laughs> hey, there. <laughs> How are the kids? How's everybody? Everybody's doing great. Little Mason's uh, walking and in charge of everything as usual. So kids are kids are back. They've started their school now. So yeah. Oh. Oh. I saw a picture of Mason. He's actually in a classroom. He is in a classroom now. Good <laughs> yep. for him. Yeah. You go, Mason. Well, let's talk a little bit about you, Charlie. I, I don't think there are many folks that don't know who you are, at least if they follow preparedness. But tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. So just to reintroduce yourself to our audience. All right. Well, so uh, I am, I've got 15 years, over 15 years in the U.S. Army as a scout, as an infantry uh, troop, and I've been doing preparedness work, emergency management work for, oh, since uh, over, over 10 years of that now, and doing a lot of disaster consulting and uh, drone work, a lot of inspection work on uh, commercial structures, residential structure, structures, and using drones for aerial photography and aerial mapping. Uh, written a couple of books, written three, oh, actually four of them now. The new book, The Road Trials, is getting ready to, to hit the shelves. So that one is all done. I know long waiting for that. So the Survival Group Handbook is out. The Prepper Survival Retreats is out. The Unraveling Book 1 of the Bound to Survive series is out. And the Road Trials Book 2 of the Bound to Survive series uh, we should see available here uh, very soon because it is all done. So, uh, and, and lately I've been doing uh, uh, editor work for Survival Dispatch magazine for the last, oh, about a year or so. And uh, we've got some great new things on the horizon that I can't talk about yet, but they are coming. Very exciting. Charlie, you're best known for your books on survival groups, I think. I mean, honestly, I don't think there's anyone in the world that's more knowledgeable on the subject. So tell us a little bit about your survival group handbook, your prepper survival retreat, and let us know what we could find there if we were reading the books. Well, the idea between the survival group handbook, uh, the idea for that was to uh, create a, a book, a handbook on how to find people, how to plan, uh, organize, and lead a survival group. So a lot of people would say, well, I get together, I've got friends and everything, but then they'd kind of stumble after that. They would run into problems with participation and commitment and team dynamics issues. And essentially most of these groups would, would flounder somehow. And uh, so I wrote the book based on a lot of research from intentional groups, uh, you name it, all different kinds of groups that I interviewed and a lot of sociological, historical, legal things, and tried to come up with a text that you could essentially follow from the very beginning of saying, do I want a group? And then once you answer those questions, now we go from there. Here are all of the things that we need to make a group successful. And a lot of the, the things that people never think about are the foundational elements of a group. I've laid them all out. All you got to do is go through the book front to back, 
and uh, it even tells you how to solve the problems of a group. So that was the idea behind the book, and uh, it's been very successful in that sense, and fortunately nobody else has tried to write another one since. I think it was that thorough. <laughs> Hard to compete with what you've written, that's for sure. I have met a few people on PrepperNet and other platforms who have started meetups, and they ask me exactly this type of question. I suggest they get your book. They ask how to get a group together to begin with. I have somebody in Palm Beach who's leading up a meetup group, and she says that she's just not sure how to go about starting to find those people. What would you suggest to her? Well, Palm Beach is my old meetup group. is the one I started years ago, and uh, now that I'm not living there, um, I'm not really doing too much in the group. I do see some of their notifications, and I would say the best thing to do is what they are, what they've done now. Join the group. At least be aware of these places where people who think like you do, where they go. And if a meetup group is that place, then then start there, make some friends, but be sure to follow all of the the usual online personal safety and security things as if you were on a dating site. Well, you know, we talk about in the book the survival marriage because uh, when things go bad, your spurned survival lover, if you will, might not just take half your stuff but all of your things with their comrades. So uh, outside of going through something like meetup, I would say go to the farmer's market. Meet people that raise bees, who make soap. Uh, who are interested in outdoor things, everything from camping to canoeing to shooting, uh, all of that stuff. Those are all people who have some form of skill that would translate well into a survival uh, companionship, and then you can work from there. What would you say, Charlie, would be the biggest problem that a survival group would have if something actually happens and things go south? Well, there's... Two key problems in a survival group that are very, very common. That's participation and commitment. I see all the time where there's groups, and I actually just ran into this the other day. There was a, uh, it had to do with militias. And this, this one gentleman is like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I told him if they ever need me, just give me a call. And that's not effective. I mean, that's not for me to tell him that. But it's not effective in that if, if you wait until you get the call to come join a bunch of other people who already have been working together, they're not going to, they're not going to welcome you as quickly because you're, you're no longer part of that, that uh, sociological group. And when, when you show up, there's going to be a lot of personality issues to get used to and get over. So you've got to participate if you're going to join a group. If you can't participate, then maybe the group, you're not ready for a group. And you've got to make that commitment. And people will start a group or start joining a group, and then they'll get busy and they'll miss a meeting. And when you miss one meeting, it's easy to miss the second. And when you miss the second, missing all the other ones after that becomes really easy because now you just it's on the back burner of your mind, and you're just too busy and you're not interested or you're embarrassed to show up again. So those are the two big issues that you've got to work around. And honestly, that all goes back to should I even be in a group at this point? So that's where I would start with uh, number one problems. Let's talk about your book, Prepper Survival Retreats. I haven't really read the, that entire book. Tell me about that. The idea behind that book was not to tell you, you know, which state, which place you should live. Uh, you should set up your retreat or you should fall back to. Uh, there are a lot of books already out there that do that. What this book does is it addresses what do you want to do. 
like they're you know, Skousen and the other people can go out and say, well, you know, Idaho's got these great gun laws and Florida's got these great tax laws and all that. Okay, but where do you want to be? It, it addresses what kind of climate do you want to be in? Do you have family somewhere that you'd like to be closer to? You know, what is your employment situation? What's your retirement situation? How close to doctors do you need to be? How close do you need to be to the schools for the children? You know, do you need to still work and run a side hustle? If that's the case, do you need to be closer to a post office or, or some sort of a employment sector? Uh, that, none of that fits into the, the tax laws and gun law thing. You've got to figure out for yourself. So the book is a lot smaller. It's very direct, very to the point. But it does go into the level of detail that when you do find a piece of property, you can get a general idea of the soil uh, acidity based on the type of trees that are on the ground just by driving up on that lot. So it does go into the minutiae of selecting properties and inspections and, and purchasing and things of that nature. But it's very introspective as to where do I want to be and can I make this place that I want to be work? That's the key to this whole book. And it's very successful in that way. Oh, that's interesting. I, I definitely want to make sure. I, I read I read just the beginning of it and then wound up doing all sorts of other stuff. So I definitely want to finish reading that book. All of this can be pretty complex, and it makes me think that it would be useful to have someone experience help things get started. And you work as a consultant, don't you? Yeah. At readygoprep.com is how you can reach me on that end. And if you are in any level of your preparedness journey, whether you're just beginning, just thinking about it, or you're seasoned and you have a big group or you have a group that's having issues, I will be happy to come in and, and talk about it, sort things out for you, come up with a plan, create, I've, I've created plans that are over 300 pages for various groups full of contingencies and, and fallbacks and SOPs and everything else. So that's the key. I'm, I am here to help out however need be for any type of group. That's awesome. It's important to have people who have really thought this out thought about the minutiae, it's not just, uh, you know, beans and bullets and, and even bandages. You really have to have the organization down and you have to have a really good idea of how things are going to play out if there's going to be a real disaster. I can just see what's happening with the COVID uh, pandemic here. And this is, as it goes, relatively minor, but it's caused so many issues. What do you think uh, would be a pandemic scenario that would lead you to sort of set the trigger, either get out of Dodge or to sh shelter in place with an eye towards it being a long-term event, if, if it's not happening already? <laughs> yeah, that's, and there you go. So it really, it boils down to where are you? Uh, the hardest question in all of this is, should I stay or should I go? When should, and the clash got this right, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so am I safe where I am or am I not? And what is my timing? Do I have I identified the triggers in my area? If I lived in that small area in Seattle, uh, in, in the Chaz or CHOP area, or in some parts of Portland or even Oakland or some of these urban areas like that, and, and the crowds are running down the street and setting things on fire, um, it might be that that's a clue, right? Like, you live in an area that that's a clue that you live in an area that, you know, you might need to be ready to go on a, on a moment's notice, or you might need to go spend the night somewhere else. You know, so uh, they, when you, when they have to actually come out and create laws in those towns that say, it's okay to tear the place up, 
But if you set fire to a building and there are people in that building and you knew about it, uh, that means you're really in trouble. I mean, do we, do we need to have that discussion? Because that's what they're doing out there. And it's just, it's just not right. So as far as your safety goes, you've got to figure out where am I, am I safe here, be tuned in, do the study of your area, understand your operational environment and the, and the six layers of that environment. And once you understand every, all of those layers and the intel information around you, you can now make that um, well-educated decision to say, well, let's get ready to go let's go ahead and go, or let's wait until we have an opening to go. But you really don't want to go if you don't have to, because all of your survival stuff is generally there at your home. Uh, most of it, you can live at home, and it's a lot easier than evacuating and going somewhere else and trying to live. So it's just about knowing your area and deciding when it's no longer safe, and do you have somewhere else to go. Well, you certainly aren't going to be able to take all of your preps with you. I mean, this is, I think, one of the well, big things. If we look at all the stuff that we have, we need a, a rental truck to to take pretty much everything to get the field hospital out, plus our food and all the other stuff. I think that people don't prepare because they just think that the government's always going to be there. And I think we've figured out that the government, at least in a lot of these big cities, really isn't that interested in maintaining law and order, at least I guess they, they're considering the right of people to protest to be trumping law and order these days. And it's, it's scary. It really is scary. It's a mixed, it's a mixed message because if, I believe it was Minneapolis, the law enforcement in Minneapolis just came out recently and said, we can no longer protect you as citizens. You have to, if you're, if you're mugged, robbed, or, you know, or burgled, you just do what the bad guys say and hope that they move on. And that is, you know, what a shame to hear that wow. from, from law enforcement that, that it's being uh, hogtied from their duties. The same thing with the riots at, that are going on out in the West Coast where they're not allowed to use uh, non-lethal ammo uh, on, their, uh, on the protesters, even though protesters are throwing Molotov cocktails at the police. So, yeah, you're, you're kind of really are, like you always say in the Survival Medicine Handbook, um, you are your own first aid, you're, you're your own responder. And uh, that's what it really boils down to. So it is true that in a lot of cases we are not going to be able to use that normalcy bias and expect that the police are going to show up when we call them. Let's talk a little bit about your post-apocalyptic fiction career. You certainly have become a, an accomplished author in that field. Uh, you, your book, The Unraveling, was a great page-turner for me. I mean, a really good read. Tell us about first writing fiction in general and uh, how you decided to go and do that. And, and tell us a little bit about, about your books. Well, the, you know, so I started out writing nonfiction stuff. And... Um, that's, you know, that's a certain type of writing. It takes a lot of research, interviews. You've really got to make sure that you've got everything right. All your, you know, I's dotted and T's crossed and so forth. But I decided to give it a, give it a try with, with the fiction world to kind of play out what would happen if you didn't follow what I wrote in the, in the nonfiction books. Wow. And the unraveling is about, uh, a small group of average everyday people. There are no tactical geniuses, no superheroes, no fantasies. Uh, 
no secret powers. Uh, there, you know, no super snipers. You know, it's average people that had to figure out: Do they come together? How do they come together? How do they make it work? How do they get those team dynamics happening? And what happens when you're not aware of what you're not aware of? And they come together and they th go through all kinds of trials and tribulations uh, dealing with a virus. Now, the unraveling came out before the COVID-19 pandemic was even a thing. Yeah. And it turns out that the symptoms for the virus that I created, because I tried to create one that was asymptomatic, super hot, very contagious, and had uh, had a, a death you know period in the you know 16 day range. And honestly, a lot of those factors were exactly like what yeah, came out in real life. Very, very prophetic. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about it. You know your stuff, <laughs> <My> Charlie. <laughs> so yeah, so and uh, but it was so much fun writing fiction because while there is a lot of research, you do have to have a pretty good grasp on on what's going on to be able to write it in such a way. You can just let all those little voices in your head play and have fun and, and just get lost in that story. And that's what happened with the first book. And, and then the second book now, um, they are moving to the next level. Uh, it is a story about what happens when everything that you know and take for granted and comfort um, gets stripped away from you one layer at a time, peeling the onion of your life back into, like we say in some of those classes I teach, the graceful degradation, the fallback of, I had this, I had that, I don't have it now. Uh, how do I get it? How do I make do without it? And how do I deal with these people? And the second book, The un, uh, the Road Trials, that is getting ready to, to drop in public on Amazon, is about hitting the road in that journey and thinking you had everything you needed and the people you needed and finding out that you're losing all of that along the way and every step of the way is it, it's a challenge and endurance and courage and just sheer luck and uh, and uh, like my mentor writer the the great dr. bone said I have to <laughs> kill my darlings I'll okay. leave it at that <laughs> uh -huh. very interesting sounds dark sounds mysterious and sounds like a, a good read let's talk about what other projects you might be involved in so I've been doing uh, with Survival Dispatch, the editor-in-chief for the Survival Dispatch Insider magazine for oh, roughly a year or so now. And uh, we've put out tons of videos, magazines, very high-quality stuff. And we have a very large, brand-new project that is getting ready to um, come out. It's in development now. I can't go into too much of the detail. But I will say that it is going to involve a lot of consulting, a lot of training, a lot of video work, and still a, a lot of uh, media. So there will be a lot of uh, opportunity for all of us and everybody listening to participate and still get the great articles that we do uh, every month uh, currently, but it's going to be in an entirely new format. So that's going to be something I'm very excited to get involved in. And it's not going to be just me. There's some other, you know, very well-known names that are going to be doing that too. So, sounds like a lot of great information that uh, is upcoming. So, tell us, Charlie, how our listeners can check out your books, your services, everything that they can do to connect with you. the The books are on Amazon. So, if you just want to look me up, you can just go to Charlie Hogwood on Amazon, uh, C H A R L E Y 
and you will find my books there. The um, or you can just go to Amazon and search out the Survival Group Handbook, and you'll find it there or the Unraveling. Tell, wait, tell us the exact titles of of all the books that you have on Amazon. The Survival Group Handbook, the Unraveling, the Bound to Survive series, book one, and Prepper's Survival Retreats. Okay. And then the Road Trials will be the next uh, book two. Uh, which when do you think that's coming out? It's all done. I'm uh, just waiting for all of that stuff to upload, and uh, we've got to get our um, audio uh, audiobook uh, narrator on on top of that. So uh, as soon as that's out, I would imagine the book, the paperback, should be out in the next two to three weeks at, at the latest, uh, the way it's going. But uh, then we'll have to follow up with the audiobook as soon as that gets done. That just depends on the cue for our reader. And do you still do any uh, consulting work? Absolutely. Yep. So if there's anything that, that anyone needs in any form of consulting from where to get started, how to communicate with others, you just want to make a phone call and have a conversation uh, for a little bit, then I can do that. If you want to have a full-on on-site security and property assessment with drone mapping and all of that, we can do everything you know up to that level too. So it's it just boils down to, are you looking for any references on, is this a great place for me to put my retreat or live? Yep, I can do that. I can do the hazard analysis for the area. We can do, I can do an area study for the area for you. I can do all of those different things so that you are comfortable in the choices that you make on either building a group, getting your family prepared, or building your full-on retreat. Sounds good. And to connect with you there, readygoprep.com. Ready? Oh, Go prep. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's readygoprep.com. Everybody, yep. go there. You'll be glad you did. Charlie, yep. thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it, and uh, I wish you the best with both your nonfiction and your fiction uh, career. Sounds like you're, you're well on the way. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Love coming on with you guys. Love to support uh, doomandbloom.net however I possibly can. Thank you so much, Charlie. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of the Survival Medicine Podcast with Joe and Amy Alton. We hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope you'll tune in next week. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Amy Alton, ARNP of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did.